Welcome listeners to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4-6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4-7 states wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Thought that again and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join in dialogue this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there. They broadcast live from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream or the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Com. Time for an awakening. I also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. They always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program. The fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read. Download it later times and share with your friends. Also check out that time for an awakening marketplace and our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to time for an awakening media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and founding member of the December 12th movement, Sister Colette Penn is with us this evening. A lot of interesting discussion uh, we'll be talking about this evening with the passage of the uh, Gregory Meeks bill countering malign Russian Activities Act in Africa and the entering by the FBI and seizing property from the home of Chairman O'Malley Yeshitelli of Uhuru. How does that affect other black grassroots organizations fighting for self-determination in the U.S.? We'll get into that this evening with our guests. And you can get involved in the conversation, too, if you've got a question or comment by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Our distinguished guests, brothers and 
sisters, our friends, and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked, suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors, or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, 
Our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellen. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm definitely looking forward to our, our discussion because I think that now, you know, with uh, the Secretary of State now going to Africa, we need to get a global context uh, of what we've seen locally happen with um, Brother uh, Osatelli. So, and as it relates to Africa, but really as it relates to African people and where is America positioning itself. So I'm, I'm glad to see here. Um, sister, um, be here with us to help us um, put put some thoughts together around this. It should be interesting dialogue tonight, tonight Richard. Um, I guess this evening, that's joining us in conversation. But uh, you know what? Let me read this first to kind of set it up. Because in the backdrop of all of this that's going on, Richard, is a House bill that was passed on... Uh, April the 5th, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, when Sister Collette comes on, she can kind of clear me up if I'm wrong on some of these things. House Bill, or H.R. 7311, the Countering Malign Russian Activities Act, uh, Russian Activities in Africa Act. Um, H.R. 7311 would direct the State Department within 90 days of the bill's enactment to develop a strategy for countering Russia's efforts to undermine democratic institutions in Africa. The bill would require the Secretary of State to report on the implementation of this plan on an annual basis uh, for the following five years, beginning 180 days after enactment, uh, and report on similar activities undertaken by foreign entities and detailed intelligence on the identity of local actors complicit in these activities. Uh, our guest this evening is going to help us d- dig a little further into this bill and the players behind it and talk about how it affects our people in our struggle here in these United States. Uh, our guest this evening activist, organizer, and founding member of the December 12th movement out of New York City. Sister Colette Penn is with us in discussion. Sister Colette, are you there? I am. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad to have you with us on Time for an Awakening with myself and Brother Richard. Sister Colette, um, it's a lot of things we want to talk about this evening. Before we do <laughs> that, before we do that, and to talk about the press conference that was held in Brooklyn on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, At 12 o'clock Friday, yes. Talk, before we do that, talk about the December 12th movement, just in case some of our listeners uh, might not be aware or a little sketchy of December 12th and the activities. Um, I really became uh, well aware of December 12th after 2001 and that the, 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 uh, 
conference in uh, Durban, South Africa. But talk about the December 12th movement activities, uh, the goals and aspirations of the brothers and sisters involved before we start uh, in, uh, going into the conversation. The December 12th movement was formed uh, as a result of an, uh, an attack that happened in upstate New York uh, in December of, 20, of 1987. A coalition of groups came together to protest an attack on some brothers who were in prison in Orange County and uh, the simultaneously the Tawana Brawley situation. We were made aware of it by Sister Lily Howard and groups from both upstate New York and from downstate New York City. Um, uh, where That's about two, three hours out of New York where the incident happened. So we loaded buses from New York City to go up to a demonstration in Newburgh, New York, that occurred on December 12th. And uh, because different groups had put their names on and there was an attempt to stop the demonstration by in, by sending uh, stop orders to the different groups, the uh, Patrice Lumumba Coalition, the Black Men's Movement Against Crack, the um, also the NAACP up there, National Black United Front, et cetera, we said, well, we're a coalition. So it was the December 12th coalition that had one of the largest uh, rallies that had happened in upstate New York, and indeed, as, as brothers and sisters listening know that there had been a little quietness in our, our large-scale demonstrations uh, in the years before 1987, so this was a real impactful um, uh, demonstration against racism for Black self-determination that an attack anywhere would be responded to by, by people everywhere together. Um, we moved from becoming the December 12th coalition to the December 12th event. And the founding members, uh, our leadership, uh, I was certainly part of the people who helped organize it, but the founding leadership was Brother Elumbe Brath uh, of the Patrice Lumumba Coalition, longtime Pan-Africanist from the AJAZ movement in the late 50s all through his death. Father Lawrence Lucas, a um, strong advocate for self-determination uh, in the Black community and in, in religious institutions, a, a leading liberation theologian. Brother Sonny Abubadika Carson of the Committee to Honor Black Heroes, of the whole struggle in Ocean Hill, Brownsville for school determination, of the struggle to rename different institutions for Black people, and also the brother who historically brought the remains of an enslaved person who had been free from Brooklyn all the way back to Ghana, where it was received at the door of return. So Sonny uh, Bubadika Carson's contributions uh, span many, many different struggles. Viola Plummer of the December 12th movement, who at that time was also, of course, part of the, uh, with Coltrane Shimarenga, the Black Men's Movement Against Crack, brother Coltrane Shimarenga, um, activists for many years in the whole struggle for education, political prisoners, but also instrumental in the whole pushback against crack. Brother Shim led numerous street demonstrations, organized Black men to say, we're going to be in charge of our community. Sister Viola, an activist for many years in the Mobilization Committee Against Police Brutality, and both she and Brother Shimaranga were also members of the New York Eight, attacked in 1984, uh, 
for many of the same things and reasons that we see the attacks on our people now. So that was a, a very significant attack. Since its founding, we in the December 12th movement have done many things both locally and internationally. Locally, we commemorate Brother Malcolm X as, as the founder of the Black Liberation Movement. And on his birthday, May 19th, for over 30 years, we have shut commercial transactions down on 125th Street. We've demanded that the short stores shut for four hours. Uh, and we get people from Philly every year coming to join us. Uh, in a moment of commercial silence for Brother Malcolm. We have organized tribunals on um, the violations of our human rights, and we have gone into to take our struggles internationally to Geneva, to the Human Rights Commission, and we're instrumental indeed, as Brother talks about, the World Conference Against Racism that was held in Durban, South Africa in 20, 2001 participated all in all the leading up to it. And we, with the National Black United Front, led by Dr. the late Dr. Conrad Rorel, took 400 Black people to Durban to demand the recognition that the transatlantic slave trade was and always should have been a crime against humanity. So in brief, we continue um, the struggle locally around against police brutality for self-determination and to always support our brothers and sisters in Africa who are struggling and indeed receive their support with a particular emphasis in our ongoing work in support of the um, country of Zimbabwe who took back their land and have been fighting the U.S. sanctions ever since the land um, redistribution occurred. So in brief, that's some of the stuff we do. Uh, you know, but let me mention this too, it, it, and it's in my opinion. I don't know whether Brother Richard will agree. I think after that World Conference on Racism, that uh, that the organization was instrumental in being at and putting uh, our plight forth. It spurred a lot of reparations movement and struggles worldwide uh, for yes. for our people. Whether you're talking about in the islands whether you're talking about in yes. South, South America or on the continent yeah. of Africa. I think that you were behind yeah. a lot of that and also movements here. So, I mean, hats off to the brothers and sisters involved, and we need more folks involved in struggles here, freedom struggles. Let me ask you this, uh, Sister Penn, before we start moving into different subject matter. Yourself as an activist, and, and I like to ask people this when they come on, when we have activists from around the country that are involved in freedom struggles. What made you get involved? It's, it's usually something in a person's life, uh, whether you're talking about Malcolm, whether you're talking about Martin, whether you're talking about anybody, to get them involved. It's usually something that happens. Sometimes they're raised by after activist parents, and they just follow mm -hmm. in their footsteps. Others, uh, something might have happened when they were in college, or they might have had an awakening when they were in school. In, in your respect, what has got you to be involved physically and mentally in our people's freedom struggle here in this country? I think it's a combination of the things you mentioned. Definitely um, coming from a family who struggled against the dictatorship in Haiti, uh, and I was raised here, but they struggled very much against the dictatorship of, of Duvalier in Haiti. 
And so in college, um, was active in the Haitian um, students movement, but then also on the question of healthcare, because that was always a particular um, interest. So, so the issue of healthcare as a human right, and in so doing in those different student struggles, met the folks from the police, the mobilization committee against police brutality, uh, led by Sister Viola Plummer, the late Olive Armstrong, Wally, Roger, and many of the people you know. And in that became ever more, I guess, dedicated to that. The only way we're going to be able to change the conditions we live under is by by organizing collectively and by being very uh, committed to it um, on an ongoing way. So so that's my and I was one of the members also of the New York eight uh, back in 1984. Ever, I guess even more solidified my determination. To start. Uh, Sister Collette, uh, the press conference on Friday uh, to denounce. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. To denounce the actions of this government in entering the home of Chairman Omalia Chatelli uh, with flashbang grenades early in the morning, a situation that could have easily went to the left. Uh, you know, what really gets to me, and, and I know you're going to talk about this, is the, the, I guess, apathy of some of our people to connect the dots, even to be aware of the situation that happened. Um, connect the dots for us. Connect the dots to this bill that was pushed by Gregory Meeks, who is the chair of the House Foreign Relations Committee that sits in Congress, a member of the CBC. This bill that got bipartisan support, you know, our people are caught up in this dog and pony political Democrat and Republican show. But when mm-hmm. it's stuff that has something to do with American imperialism, these bills get bipartisan support and no problems politically. So Absolutely. we see that this bill passed. And then all of a sudden, shortly after this bill passed, it's an attack and infringement on a black person's right to freedom, to to organize people, our, our, our people in political struggles. If you're talking about the Black is Back Coalition, talk about how this is related and talk about the press conference and some of the things that were stated at the press conference. I'll let you take it from there. So, so first, let me say that the press conference that was held Friday was very much an attempt to do a couple of things. First, to let people know about the attacks on the Uhuru movement, because so often, since we don't control the media, we don't control the stories. You know, if we're on the right email list, you hear about it and you know someone and they call. But as a general rule, that story was very quiet. Yes. Even talked about it was in the Times, so we looked for it in the Times because we knew about it, and that's how we knew who it happened, how it happened, and obviously we were in touch. So we organized and called and 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 received support for very many different groups, organizations, and individuals, and held the press conference to a educate. I, I think that was part of the opening words you said, educate ourselves around what had happened that in three different places, people went into people's houses and offices at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5.30 in the morning, broke down the doors, 
uh, drug brother O'Malley and, and, and the sister out of their house in handcuffs. Now, they were not arrested. No one was arrested. So this 4 or 5.30 in the morning raid was not, and no one was indicted. This is not they're going in to get any people who they allege have committed any offense. This is to get information, they said, for someone who was indicted who is in Russia. So I think that several things. First, our, our duty to, as you're doing today, and as, as I know you continue to do, to let as many of our people know what's going on so we can understand the different ways we're under attack. And that it is we who are under attack because it's not enough to say, well, that was him in St. Louis. Be clear, you're in Philadelphia, which was the site of one of the most horrific attacks on black people in terms of the move bombing that has happened uh, in this country. Indeed, one of the um, things we should never forget. Um, we in New York has been targeted very similarly. When I talk about the New York eight, 500 agents came to arrest eight of us that there are, I'm sure, many stories we don't even know about, about these type of attacks. We heard about Breonna Taylor getting killed in her home under a no-knock warrant. There's a long list of it, of people we could name between us. So, so on the one hand, it is very much the attack on political people to intimidate, to isolate, to um, stop the motion. And it is also just part and parcel of the day-to-day -day reality of our lives as Black people here. Um, so the press conference was desi designed and, and many different groups and organizations uh, spoke. And, and I will try to get you to trans the um, audio because we were fortunate to audience. So you can play that directly. I, I think people's words are even better than my recollection. But it was very, very much to get the, the word in the street that this happened and that the Uhuru movement was not isolated, will not be isolated, that we understand what it is. And people are ready to stand in solidarity with them. Um, in a position to this to then so so that was one aspect of the press conference and one definite lesson that we have to um draw from it and that we have to keep acting on now you mentioned and i want to say gregory meeks is a black man uh who represents an almost all black district in queens uh through seniority and being the kind of negro he is he was when the Democrats took over Congress, he was uh, placed as the head of the Foreign Relations Committee. Um, historically, has a reputation as being extremely um, one step ahead of an indictment in terms of corruption. Uh, his district had one of the highest foreclosure rates in the country. His district has, which is, is not a... Uh, uh, St. Albans and, and those parts were traditionally home to civil servants, uh, for black people, people with jobs. Um, but as our overall situation has worsened, the foreclosure hit his district extremely hard. The lack of infrastructure development meant that recently, two years ago, there was a sewage break that took over, over a year to fix sewage all in the houses of these homeowners. These, Black and, and, and Asian homeowners in, in the main. So this is the conditions in his district. He, when the Ukraine war, in the early days of the Ukraine war, said that we needed to sacrifice for democracy. So the amounts, the vast amounts of money that were going to the Ukraine, that we, in his district, which has these dire conditions, we needed to be prepared to sacrifice and and. <laughs> 
we held a press conference at that time and indeed a rally saying that we, we didn't see what sacrifice we should be making for this. Um, there was a coalition of student groups that also said, no, that we are not the ones who should be making a sacrifice for something when we already suffer from these conditions that you, our congressperson, are not addressing in the least. So we had demonstrations, press conference in front of his office as well. Um, Gregory Meeks, as the, the war has continued, as chair of the foreign relations, has made several different trips. Um, and he was the lead sponsor of the bill you referred to, um, Brother Elliot, which passed, as you said, in, in the Congress, I think 10 people out of the 400 plus people voted against it. They were Republicans for whatever reason they voted against it. Um, but the, the bill is a chilling attempt to um, A, intimidate African countries, B, intimidate those of us in, in, in the U.S. who struggle for African self-determination. Um, and it sits now in the Senate where you know it's going to pass, but it's in the Senate um, Foreign Relations Committee being reviewed now. When we, we look at the history of, of ourselves here, and, and again, um, throughout the country where we have spoken out internationally from, from the times of slavery throughout around our connection to African liberation. When we talked about uh, supporting Ethiopia when it was invaded, when we talked about, in the words of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, whose birthday we celebrate August 17th, our, our linkage always to Africa and to Africa for Africans. When we look about this, our support for the African liberation struggles, which indeed the Congressional Black Caucus uh, was very supportive of in the 60s and 70s, and et cetera. And so we then look at Gregory Meeks in this Congressional Black Caucus, and his contribution is to seek to punish African countries for having the temerity not to fall lockstep uh, with this, this narrative that's going on right now. Um, we see indeed how far we need to fight back and remind them who elects them. As I said, his district is Black. It's not a, it, it is a black district, uh, 90% or 85% black, 15% um, Asian from, from Guyana and, and um, Trinidad. And that's the composition of the community and some, some Latino. Uh, we need to use all these different methods to, to speak about it. So, so if I hope I gave some context to what's going on. Let's just to let the, um, You know what? I'm I'm a, I'm a pastor, Mike, to Brother Richard. But before I do, um, Gregory Meeks, and I'm just using him as an example because he was instrumental in pushing this bill and mm-hmm. kind of being out front as far as the, the point man on it. Uh, two things: when he went to the Ukraine early on, I think he made a couple of visits there and met with the, the president of the Ukraine, and I read reports from the Amsterdam news that confronted him about the things that some of the students and black folks had put on social media, you know, how they couldn't get out of Ukraine, how they were being thrown off trains, things of that nature. And the racial epithets uh, being lodged at them where uh, whites, even if they weren't from the Ukraine, they could bring their dogs on when black folks had to get off trains. When he was confronted about those incidents, uh, 
he claimed that he talked with Ukrainian officials and that they were going to do something about it. Uh, they were unaware of these things. The same old rhetoric answers that most black politicians give to black people. Um, but I did notice that other black media around the country, and I'm talking about popular black media, did not confront elected officials in relation to this. They might have reported on it, but they didn't confront their elected officials in relation to what they were doing about this because they were too busy trying to rally black people to blindly support Ukraine. Um, and, and, and also in relation to that, let me read, uh, this, uh, edict that was put out by the Peace Corps before I passed it back to brother Richard. Uh, it's related to what we're talking about, but it's not, it, it um, it, it's not something that, that we brought up tonight, uh, that we brought up in this conversation, but let me just read this. This was an edict that was put out on the Peace Corps site in reference to black folks that were, were over in the Ukraine or that wanted to go there to help. Uh, possible considerations for African Americans or black volunteers. Uh, black people may face challenges living uh, in the Ukraine as Peace Corps volunteer. However, African Americans will confront far more complicated issues. Uh, for modern parts of the Ukraine, African Americans are part of the community. Uh, day-to-day life. However, there are many Ukrainians who have never seen a black person before. Their understanding of African-American culture is fueled by media and African stereotypes. You will generally get lots of interest and curious stares. So so these stares can make you uncomfortable and annoyed. Ukrainians' initial perception of you uh, may be from uh, the media perception. And it does not help if they don't understand an African or an African American. And the training in PSD will help you consider ways that you will engage these assumptions. It's not uncomfortable or uncommon for Ukrainians to refer to African Americans as the N word. Volunteers of color may be called monkey or maybe, <laughs> or mates, uh, their children may be seen in, uh, playing games with blackface. Being aware of this history of dehumanization for black people of African descent may help inform uh, you where this comes from. It does not justify it, but it may be in your discretion to determine the intent. No matter the intent, staff recognizes the impact that hearing that word may invoke hurt and anger. If you view this, uh, if you view it as unlearned, uh, something that a person has never been exposed to, it may be an opportunity for you to educate that person. We are here to support your successful service, and these comments and images can be a huge distraction and obstacles uh, to you. Know that the Peace Corps staff is here to support and encourage you. Do not hesitate to remove yourself from such situations. You are not expected to be subject to uh, such treatment. You can also find support and understanding from other African-American Peace Corps volunteers serving in the Ukraine. So, they, you know, this site is letting black people know that when you go over to the Ukraine, you're going to be called nigger, monkey, and every other disparaging word. But you can take uh, PSD training. You can rely on other African-Americans over there to help you through it, but basically put up with it. 
and this is on a Peace Corps site. So I, I'm just mm-hmm. reading this to you because, or reading this to our listening audience. I know you're aware of it. But just to let our people know uh, what they expected to deal with, you're less than human as far as they're concerned. But they're using you for this purpose. They're using black people for a purpose now. We'll go into a little bit more of that in, as the discussion goes further because we see that the, that the Anthony Bilkin is headed towards Africa now, or he might be mm-hmm. there already, and the French president was there. We'll discuss some of the things that they stated. But, Richard, uh, jump into conversation. And, and you know, you, you started, and I hope, um, you know, Sister Claire, you don't mind, because I w- let me say this. I was a uh, devotee from a distance of a brother, Alumbe Broth, um, mm-hmm. um, because of his analysis as it related to Africa, American foreign policy, and, and where we sit in relation, or how we should be viewing that, right? And I'm wondering, um, would you agree that as we look at what um, Meek's now having this position, and all of those, you know, um, Greenfield, um, what's his name, Langley. Lloyd Austin. Um, Austin, that, they, that, that there is a cadre, rice, of Black folks who are I don't know, and this is my first question to you, and and this sets up in relationship to what happened to um, Brother um, Chairman Omotelli, what happened to him and others as far as our view in making analysis. Do do you see that this is a a cadre of people, and, and this is a direct question, that is about image? as having black people in the geopolitical arena as it relates to Africa, or are they initiating this um, from your vantage point, these kind of policies and getting the support of the State Department of American foreign policy walks, whether Democrat or Republican, as it relates to Africa. And I think that I wanted to focus on in Africa as it relates to us supporting Africa. But I'll, I'll start that if that made sense. Do you see these individuals that this is their initiative or they're just, um, you know, what's that eyewash for us and those in the geopolitical arena? I think you, you hit on a very important point. I think that uh, to first answer your question, I think it is the U.S. foreign policy that they carry out. I think Africa is a crucial element, Africa and then Africans in the U.S. Let me first start with with the continent, which is the rich in in critical uh, materials, rich in critical resources, um, rich individually and collectively in human resources, that Africa is in contention. Africans, as they have um, become independent nations and ever increasingly fight for the true independence of their countries, have fought against having their economies solely tied to their former colonizers. So in the last 20, 30 years, we have seen an increased outreach by by African leaders to um, get development assistance from China, increase their linkage to India, to Russia, to different Asian countries. 
to increase, I know in the, for the Portuguese speaking countries of Angola and Brazil to reach out to Brazil, Angola and Mozambique and Africa to reach to Brazil in terms of those linkages. We can name um, in particular, the late president Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe, who coined the phrase, the look East economic policy while under sanctions because they took back their lands from the uh, colonial settlers, um, he increased and led the way to many um, uh, development initiatives with China, but also with different countries in the former Soviet Union, uh, with India, uh, which has resulted in, throughout the continent in, in uh, roads, infrastructure, um, different approaches by the different leaders because they all looked at it differently. We also look in terms of, of the late um, President Nayeri, who had developed this whole South-South trade um, um, paradigm mm -hmm. to encourage uh, Africa to relate more to Latin America, to include uh, more to Asia, so that their perspective was not always looking towards Europe and the United States, the former colonizers, to, but to build those trade links. When we look at um, Black people here who historically, and again, you know, this is the month in which we honor and remember the legacy of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. And we're having a rally August 17th, in fact, for reparations in Brooklyn. But you, you, when you talk about Africa for the Africans and, and you start to see people in their own ways, you know, errors, faults, whatever, but you start to see some of the Francophone countries, um, such as the in Ivory Coast, Bob, uh, President Bagbo, who started to say, we're not going to keep our economy tied to France. Mm. And France was complicit in helping him get overthrown and taken to the International Criminal Court, where he languished for many years um, to be ultimately found innocent. But he spent, I, I don't know how many years, in jail in um, The Hague uh, at the International Criminal Court. When we talk about the recent coup in Mali, where the people who took over told the French they had to get out. When we look at the different French-speaking countries and they're starting to kind of flex to say, well, no, now, you know, all this money going to France and tying our economy to France, this is a challenge and a problem. And again, you know, not absent of many contradictions. Uh, but you start to see the different countries when they, um, in this particular case of, of, of when the vote came around uh, condemning the Russian event, uh, uh, Russia and the Ukraine, a majority abstained yes. uh, from supporting. And that was a crucial vote right. because abstention meant they were not walking in lockstep. There was a further follow-up call um, that they attempted to have uh, the AU and the presence of Africa take a call with, with Zelensky. And only two of them showed up for the call that um, South Africa has been very vocal around no, you know, we think diplomacy is the answer. We don't support war on either side. Uh, and they have been attacking South Africa for that, the West. When we, we look at their consistent, they went to Zimbabwe um, and they asked Zimbabwe to the sanctions on Russia. And President Ngagwa of, of Zimbabwe was very vocal in saying, you want us who have been under sanctions by you for 20 years to support your sanctions against Russia. You think we're, I, he didn't say you think stupid. He mm -hmm. said it very diplomatically, but it was like, what? No. Um, and there are many more instances. And I, and I think 
Alumbe's uh, work, in, for those who didn't know him, of continually supporting the liberation movements, bringing to us what the dynamics were so we could be in, informed and, and, and active supporters. Um, since he is no longer with us, we have to continue that work. I think that the Black people who you name, brother, um, definitely owe their jobs and the fact that they're in these places to our civil rights movement that mm -hmm. no longer could an all-white crew be talking to the rest of the world saying, you know, so you need a Colin Powell. You need a Linda Greenfield, a Black woman who's the UN amb U.S. ambassador to the UN. You need Lloyd Austin. You need these Black faces to carry out this policy. And I'm sure they believe it, <laughs> you know, but I think it is because policy of the U.S. is such, and they are the ones who, who, who carry it out. Um, and, and, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. And I, and I appreciate the way you, um, um, you know, laid out because, and I want the um, time for awakening audience, and I don't know if I'm out of, out of line, Elliot, but if they can go to the um, Center for um, Strategic and International Studies, and that's for those of us who may not, um, as Sister um, um, Colette brought out, seeing how this vote, or really this abstention, ties to this Russia-Ukraine, but more ties to, um, in my assessment, um, Africa, you know, America's foreign policy, as is going to, they're trying to relate to Africa, and how um, Brother Omali, Yasatelli's, who is always, his net, uh, analysis has always also been very critical about U.S. imperialism, very critical about U.S. imperialism as it relates to the continent um, and around the world, and how this is a position, um, it seems that in America, we, we um, African Americans, or however we self-identify, are becoming more crystal clear of our, which, once again, which our position is supposed to be. What I'm trying to say is right now, the act that we've seen on this raid um, goes, seems to be um, counter to those people who are in these bureaucratic positions at the geopolitical level. Because it wasn't like the, the chairman did anything wrong or the other um, uh, I forget the other brother that was house was raided uh, also. Um, it wasn't like they were, they weren't even being considered. It was some Russian in Russia, right? So it seems that this is about something else, but it also is about what is our position here, right? So I'm trying to get to, um, uh, to a question of, do you see that America is really now um, as it's developing its African foreign policy, I'm going to be um, more concerned about those of us who are making an analysis about how African foreign policy is not really any benefit to us, the interests of Black Americans. Do you see that this raid is a symbol of that, even though you see Black folks who are sitting in Democratic Positions around geopolitics. Hopefully, I, I yes, I, 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 I the wrong button. Can you still hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Um, 
we when the when the bill was passed in the house, we had a series of um, webinars and brothers Zaki Baruti, uh, brother Ray Winbush, um, uh, brother Kasimbe Bath, sister Margaret Kimberly. People from different organizations came together because we saw this bill precisely leading to, leading to these kind of results. We saw this bill directed, because it's not only directed to Africa, and I'll pull up the exact quotes um, that the malign acts that they're talking about is um, directed towards Black people in this country as well. I, I will pull up the exact uh, um, quote in the bill, that it is directed directly to us who do not uh, fall in lockstep. I think Black people have always been a very important I don't want to say uh, the word is an audience that um, are independent positions, be it when we went to the League of Nations to say, no, this is what's happening with black people in this country throughout the 60s and the civil rights movement, by, when by our, our actions and demonstrations and as Brother Malcolm went abroad and as um, when Dr. King went for the independence of Ghana and was asked uh, by an American who assumed he was Ghanaian. What do you think of, you know, independence and freedom in your country? Uh, and Dr. King answered, I couldn't tell you, I'm from the United States. Uh, that that continual exposure of our reality has always shook the um, image of the U.S. abroad. And, and indeed, that's one of the things we in the December 12th continually did by going internationally to saying, these are our statistics, this is our reality. No, it's not fine. I think that, that we are a very important um, participants and to the extent that we are activated about it we push back we can uh, impact what goes on i think that in the 70s with the support for the south south african liberation struggle the african liberation march in 1973 where 41,000 black people went to to um, dc to say that no we do not support apartheid resulted in the u.s not being as able to be as vocal in support of, of the apartheid regime. I think it, our, our activation has the ability to shift. And I think the raid on Brother O'Malley was designed to chill that, is designed to isolate that, is designed to um, push back our participation. But I think in, instead it should call us to be ever more, why, why you did that? What is this? And what, what, what is the purpose? And who, as, as Brother Molly says, we have the right to talk to anybody. You know, we have the right to say so and to be involved and to be active. So I think that um, it was just, the bill itself lays out. Uh, I sent it to Brother Elliot, and I can't read and talk at the same time, but I'm going to try to find it. But Brother Elliot, I'm sure you'll share it to people. In the bill is language specifically targeting uh, people in the U.S. who are, quote, misled because they do not fall in lockstep with the um, foreign policy. So as brother said, all of us are uh, being looked at and all of us need to understand exactly what time it is. And, and, I'll, and, and, and I'll try to be more precise with the, the question, just because what I see in the um, abstention votes um, in relationship to, you know, this Ukraine thing and, what I see happening here um, with the, I mean, this, they're just a, the top of the iceberg 
as far as as Meeks and those others who are supporting U.S. um, policy as it relates to Africa. But at the same time, those of us who recognize that's something to be cautious about. Brother, you're breaking up on my end. Oh, that is something to be cautious about. What I'm asking is, is there a break? Is there a line that is happening on the continent and here between African-Americans who are in favor of American foreign policy as it relates to Africa and Africans who are not in favor of African foreign policy as it relates to uh, American imperialism, if that makes sense. Because I'm very sorry. Could you repeat it? It was breaking up. Okay. Could you just repeat the question? Is there there a correlation between African-Americans who are um, cautious of American foreign policy and African-Americans who are in favor of African foreign policy, Meeks and them being a representation of that. And on the continent, those um, African nation states who abstained and those who voted in favor, that that, that dichotomy between those who are in favor of, of U.S. And, um, imperialism on the continent. You see, do, is there any discussion around a correlation of, of that um, in, your, in your mind or in the December 12th, um, you know, just looking over that? If I understand the question, mm-hmm. I think that the Black people who work for the State Department and those different apparatuses and, and who are in those positions, um, I don't think that they have a strong base among black people in general um, country. I think we we don't necessarily have a deep understanding of foreign policy or information as we used to be as involved in terms of our whole pan-Africanist struggle. I think that's waned some, but I think that they are more, those, those people you named are more speaking for the U.S. overall government and policy than reflecting the views of countries on the continent who voted for the resolution had their own each had each of them would have had their own reasons for it based mm-hmm. on what they saw as their country's interests at that moment mm-hmm. I understand, I understand. I just, I'm just trying to see if I can see any um, pattern but um, Brother Elliot I, I do think that it's um you know, in tying this to the Ukraine and Meeks, um, you know, it's it's important for us to to try to expose that. And I'll you know, I'll come back to forgive me. Uh, Sister Pan, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Um, is it my phone or is it? Yeah. You know what? We're gonna take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the discussion. But if you can, uh, because it, it might be your computer, and you're trying to hear through the speakers. So if you just call, maybe yes. call the number on the fo- on your phone, your cell phone, it'll probably come out better, the audio. I'll do that. So. Okay, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the discussion. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in discussion with activist, organizer, and founding member of the December 12th movement, Sister Colette Penn. We'll be right back.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do 
the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand. Then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8.08 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition 
of time for an awakening our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and founding member of the December 12th movement. Sister Colette Penn is with us this evening in conversation. You can get involved in the conversation, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Sister Penn, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, loud and clear. Uh, You know what? Let me read this for our listening audience and let this sink in. Uh, Because it's in relation to that countering malign Russians Activities in Africa Act that was passed by the uh, the Congress with bipartisan support, supported by the CBC, and fostered by Gregory Meeks. Let me read from this justice.gov government site on what happened on Friday from what is stated here. And I'm going to just read a couple of paragraphs and, and let this marinate. The header of the article says, Russian national charged with conspiring to have U.S. citizens act as illegal agents of the Russian government. An indictment was unsealed today in Tampa, Florida, charging a Russian national working on behalf of the Russian government in conjunction with the Russian Federation Security Service with, with allegedly orchestrating uh, a foreign malign influence campaign that used various U.S political groups to sow discord and spread pro-Russian propaganda and interfere with elections in the United States. Russian influence campaign allegedly orchestrated a brazen influence campaign turning U.S. political groups and U.S. citizens into instruments of the Russian government. Secret foreign efforts to influence American elections and political groups threaten our democracy by spreading misinformation, distrust, and mayhem, said Assistant Attorney General Kenneth Polite, Jr. The prosecution of this criminal conduct is essential in protecting the American public when foreign governments seek to inject themselves into American political process says the U.S. Attorney Roger B. Hanberg of the Middle District of Florida. U.S. political group leaders observed it was more likely that the Russian government was using political groups in the United States to utilize force inside the U.S. to sow division inside the United States. The impact of the Russian malign influence cannot be overstated, says Assistant (laughs) Director Louis Quesada of the FBI's Criminal Investigation Division. The FBI will aggressively pursue any foreign government that attempts to divide the American citizen and poison our democratic process and sow discord with the United States by spreading propaganda under the guise of domestic political organization. For example, in 2016, a four-city protest tour undertaken by a U.S. political group in support of a petition on crime of genocide against African people in the United States, which... May I stop you there? I want people to hear that we needed people outside this country to talk about our genocide. 
that we weren't <laughs> haven't been talking about genocide since the days of slavery. Exactly. And definitely through the different petitions that were brought by the late William Patterson, the National Lawyers Guild, the National Black United Front. And I'm sure I'm missing some. I know we also took it that the issue we needed somebody else to tell us that all the work that the people listening to here have done on this issue, well, y'all just didn't know anything about it until this Russian came and told you about it. I think that is so insulting. <laughs> you know, that's why I said, let me just intro- listen to what they're saying. Exactly. That, that, that's why I read this. How, how insulting is that to black people's humanity that you yeah. didn't have, wasn't smart enough to start talking about this, to start talking about some type of independent, political movement of black people to address their needs that you needed a white guy from Russia to come over here and try to spur discord among African citizens. What type of insulting remark is that to black people? Absolutely. Of course, they said that about Dr. Martin Luther King too, although didn't they? They're consistent. They said that about Paul Robeson. That's they what I was going to mention. Kansas. Yes. They said it about SNCC. They said that every time black people raise up their head, it's always like, y'all don't know enough. Somebody must be putting that in your head. Wow. So, so we need to really dig on the history of that um, our, and, and really learn on our own history of what we've been doing and raise it up. Say, no, we did this in 1950 and 19 Queen Mother Moore. And, and I know I don't know all of them, but and, and if we all put our heads together, we can list all the times we have exposed the genocide. Well, uh, according to according to the federal government, we needed uh, a European person of Russian descent to come over here and mm-hmm. tell you this and try to organize you to fight against it. <laughs> but see, that thinking is dangerous for yes. I, I, no, I don't want to say it's dangerous. It's a wake up call for our people because the independent black political movements going on, like the Blackest Black Coalition, like the Universal African People's Organization like the Ujima Party in Maryland, like the New African uh, Independence Party in Pennsylvania, all of these mm-hmm. black independent parties that's talking about self-determination and reparation is going to be targets of this. Yes. Today it was it was uh, Brother O'Malley, Chairman O'Malley Yeshitelli. Tomorrow it's <laughs> you or me. They might come in me and Richard's house and take computers and, and take papers. We're targets of this. Absolutely. We're black identity extremists as far as this country is concerned. And it seems as though that these black political officials, Meeks and others, look at you like a black identity extremist also. They only look at you as a brother when they need you. The issue becomes, why should we vote for you? If you're not going to stand up for us, let's go get real white folks. So all the members of the CBC whose position is, we're going to tow other people's lives. Why should y'all have that job? Let's give it somebody else the job because it's just a job to you. You know, Reverend, in, in your congressional district, Congressman Meeks, these are the conditions. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about we need to sacrifice and we need to da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, we're going to go vote somebody else in. And, and just as a side note, again, on Meeks, in the 2008 election when Barack Obama was running against Hillary Clinton, his dis- Beeks, we voted 98, 97% for Barack Obama. Meeks was, of course, a delegate. You know how they did not directly we vote and it goes. He was a delegate supposed to go choose who was going to be the um, supported by the New York State Party. He said, well, the people in his district didn't know what they were voting for. He was going to vote for Hillary Clinton when it came time to cast their votes in New York State. 
for who New York State's delegates were going to go for. And it wasn't until his community said, now hold it. You know, we vote for you directly. We, you know, what are you talking about? That he backed off even on that. That's the depth of his belief that we don't, that we don't count, that we don't know any better. But it is a wake-up call, you know, and, and that's why these, these, these programs such as this are so important and, and the, um, bringing this news to our community as a whole. So it's not when it happens to you and we hear about it a week later that we're all uh, up on, no, this is an attack on all of us around the country, you know. Um, so I'm sorry, Brother Keep reading. but, but No, I, I just wanted to read those uh, portions of that. Uh, I didn't want to read it all. I just wanted to read yeah. those portions to let our mm-hmm. people know that this act supposed to be directed towards our brothers and sisters. And some of our people don't even consider them our brothers and sisters, but our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters on the continent. But it's not just limited to the continent. It's talking about you here. If you're talking about some type of independent black political movement, you're a target. You're a black identity extremist. You're who this law is pointing at. And you can thank your uh, folks that you voted for in the CBC and others that helped get with this bipartisan support with a loaded gun pointed at uh, uh, black uh, uh, grassroots people's head. Absolutely. And and you brought up something else um, in, in your reading, you know, because many of us in our broader community are for reparations. And in fact, August 17th, we're having the uh, celebration on Marcus Garvey's birthday of the 20th anniversary of the reparations mark that happened in Washington, D.C. And we're demanding, as part of that whole push for reparations, we call it resistance and reparations is the theme we're doing it under in Brooklyn. We said that President Biden needs to do an executive order, as he's done so many other executive orders for every which thing, for reparations, since we are the people who put him in office. And that the reparation down payment, just the down payment, should be $50 billion to repair our health care system. Because be clear, black people are in, in ferment in many areas. All the black people talking about the racism in health care. Are they also should be under scrutiny? Who told them that our situation is dire? Because they couldn't have thought about it by themselves, right? <laughs> so where exactly does this attack keep going? Oh, you demand reparations. Somebody must have put that in your head because you couldn't have thought of that by yourself. Wow. So, again, you know, it, it is the continual exposure and the continual coming out against these things. You know, I know in Philly you have the, the tremendous accomplishment of having kept Brother Mumia alive. And the only reason he's alive is because of the outpouring of support and the ongoing work of the MOVE uh, family and, and their supporters. So, I, I just want to keep linking, you know, as you've done, you know, this isn't something that happened just to them. This is not something that's only going to happen to people who are indeed vocal about an independent black foreign policy, but it, 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 it keeps seeping down as we saw in the sixties in COINTELPRO. They were surveilling Martin Luther King. Um, I know people saw Judas and the black Messiah in terms of the attacks on the Panthers. We need to remember and and bring back the stories that that is in our lifetime of what happens when these raids start. Richard, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm looking at an article in the Washington Post from July 28th. Let me read these two paragraphs here, and they're very short, but it links to what we're talking about because, well, let me read it. Uh, 
French President Emmanuel Macron visited Cameroon this week, and this was the week of July 28th. He called out the entire continent for hypocrisy. I've seen too much hypocrisy, particularly on the African continent, Macron continued. I'm saying this very calmly uh, with them not speaking out uh, against the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Wait a minute. You are French president and you're calling out the African continent for hypocrisy. Uh, You know, it's a constant attack on black folks humanity, almost like you're stupid. I mean, are you kidding me now behind his visit? We got Bilkin that's going to Africa this week, and he's visiting South Africa, he's visiting the Congo, and he's visiting Rwanda to basically twist as an arm-twisting session. Uh, and, and it's on the heels of this black general, Langley, that's going to be taking over AFRICOM in Africa. See, all of the listening audience, all of this is related. It's all related. Some of our people here don't think that they're related to people on the continent, that their plight is not our plight, because this man has put it in our minds that we're a separate entity than Africans on the continent. But he looks at you all the same. He gets you to think that you're something different. All of this is related. Richard, weigh in on some of this, and then I'm going to go back to Sister Pam. The thing is that, that makes this related and maybe even the context is different than the 60s and 70s because there are resistance groups and alignments against Western European powers. And I think, uh, Sister Coletta, you mentioned this earlier, that, you know, whether it be the South-South relationships from the perspective of the continent or African-Americans, even in looking at reparations, um, Mm -hmm. having a, a clear of sense of self-governance in the reparations demand. Mm-hmm. And that is a position that the American nation state doesn't want black people to have. One, a relationship uh, of its own with the continent. Yeah. Because who are young. Mm-hmm. And two, a, rela- a demand from this country of how, and you just gave another example in, in the, in the quest of that, look, do the executive order, do $50 billion, do it in health. And that we would be wanting to direct how that not go through a whole lot of intermediaries. Absolutely. Where the funds get all waffled, you know, mm-hmm. on our own. This is something that's going on by young people, young people saying, you know, that they're talking about self-governance even within our own communities, whether it's about parties or about proportional representation or about creating zones of, 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 of within the neighborhoods they live in that they will cover. This is thinking that's going on, that, that sovereign thinking. And I think that that's, you know, the, the imperial power of the United States and the bureaucracy knows that it has to stop this. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that this kind of resistance is at is at a height. It may not look like at the height that it was in the sixties and seventies, but my perception it is at the height. Which I'll throw it out as a question: Do would you agree that we are organizing 
um, on the continent and here in our own self-interest. Totally agree. I totally and absolutely agree. I think that they have managed to disrupt our ability to spread the word about each other's work. Okay. But I think the work continues. I think that's that. And they keep saying it's not happening, it's not happening, but it never stops because resistance to oppression never stops. It never has. You know, and I, and I, I didn't mention when we talk about the Durban Conference in South Africa, that happened because in the United Nations, countries vote. The continent of Africa is why there was a Durban Conference against racism. And they pulled support from other countries in the teeth of fierce opposition from the Western European countries, who are a block, just so you know. The reason that there is a Durban Declaration that said the transatlantic slave trade was a crime against humanity and always should be is because Africa, all of them, some countries in the Caribbean, um, China, Malaysia, India, Pakistan. I'm talking about the ones that was most vocal. It was funny. Africa would say something and China would say, we support Africa. And that was the whole statement. You know, but, but the, 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 in the teeth of tremendous pressure on the African countries, they stayed united. That's why there was a conference, because there wasn't supposed to be one. And that's why the final declaration, because it was all hours of the night. In fact, the U.S. had even pulled out. So that is a shining example of the victories we have won. And, and to go back to it, when the George Floyd protests mounted and so many people came out, and then there was a hearing in Geneva called by the Africa group around what's going on. Another example here of people organizing and, and staying active, and there are people hearing what's going on. So we have to keep struggling to um, talk about that and publicize and let people know that what's going on as we continue to, to fight and resist. That's why we think the theme for Black August is resistance and reparations. Uh, let's go to the uh, phones and see if callers got uh, any questions, comments, or things that they want to say. And you could do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832-267-267. are you there? Yes, Elliot. Elliot. Yes. Elliot. I'm listening, sir. So informing. So enlightening. I love your show. I'm all ears. Uh, any question or comment for our guest? Uh, I think she's marvelous, and I want her to come back and give me some more information. I'm learning every day. Thank you for coming, miss. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Don't forget us now. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, brother. Let's go to 215. 215. Yes. Hey. Hi, Elliot. Great. Can you hear me? Yes. Hold on, Brother Richard. Hello to your distinguished. I didn't get the sister's name, but my phone was a little faint. I didn't quite get her name. Yeah, yeah. I can't, your phone is a little scratchy now. Uh, Sister Colette Penn from the December 12th movement in Brooklyn. Okay, thanks. Hey, how you Sister Penn? How are you? I'm well, brother. I'm well. Thank oh, you. Uh, yeah, Sister Penn, I love your comments, and you, you spot on. I mean, as the, brother, as the people in the, in the neighborhood, so you keep it real and you write to the point and stuff, you know, because like you were saying earlier, you know, 
our people, you know, they, you know, it's been this notion, like you said about, they said about Dr. King, Paul Robertson, you know, they you know it's this notion in America that black people are stupid and we can't think about uh, what, what goes on and we need some foreign entity, whether it be Europeans or somebody else, to come over to America and uh, and wake us up. Because if you remember, if you remember uh, Sister Penn, during the civil rights struggle, yeah, white racist bigots in the South, they they said that Dr. King, when he the rights movement that he was he was influenced by the commies, you know what I mean? The commies like like Dr. King can't see Emmett Till being killed. He can't see you know people being lynched right in front of him. So he got so he needs somebody to, to, to tell him that, you know what I mean? These people are amazing, Sister Penn. You know it's amazing. And, and like Brother Elliot correctly said, unfortunately for us, we got black politicians, male and female, on that CBC that thinks the same way. The very mix of the world, and he's not by himself. You got Clyde Moore. Look, look, Sister Penn, I've said this so many times on the radio. You can go back and hear from the past tapes. As long as black people in this country continue to vote for people on a city, state, and federal level, pe- people like the Gregory Mix of the world, the James Clyburn, the, the Hakeem Jeffries, we're going to continue to get what we get. Because these Negroes are no Adam Clayton Powell's. They are not no. Cynthia McKinney's. They do not They do not stand the white man in the face and tell the white man, look, I'm for my people unapologetically. I'm black. For my, I don't give a damn whether you like or not. When these white Jews and these white people, period, tell them Negroes what to do, they tell them to jump. These Negroes say, how high? But as long as we keep on voting for these people, Sister Penn, we, it'll be 20 years from now. If we both still around, we'd be still having this same conversation because they're, they're never going to move the needle forward for our people. So we start getting people in there, like you said, for them it's, not, it's nothing but a job for some of these Negroes. And, and, they, and they get it rich or at black people's misery. But as long as we keep putting these kind of individual offices, we're going to still be having the same because they're not going to do anything to shake this system. They're comfortable in the white oppression. In other words, they couple with this white man put up there behind. As long as they're getting paid and they're living good around their white, uh, slave, so-called slave mass, they're okay with it. They're okay with it. Their kids going pretty much to white schools, whatever. They, they don't care about what happened to the masses of our people, and we need to understand that. Once we understand that, we, 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 we can move forward and do what we have to do to replace these individuals, get people in office, sisters and brothers that really, like yourself, they really care about our people. Really for black people. They don't. And that's just the bottom line. I don't care whether you like these people personally or not. That's your choice. But I'm just giving you the, the scoop how they really feel about black people. They don't care. Bottom line. Absolutely. You know, it's that simple. It's not hard, not hard to figure out. Just, it is what it is, you know. But anyway, Sister Penn, you keep doing what you're doing. I'll sit and listen for the rest of the show and, and put me on mute and stuff, my brother. Thanks for your contribution. Hey, you're welcome. Sister Penn, um, we see that, uh, and, and, and this is kind of related also, even though it's not stated in that Milan Russian Activities Act, we see that Bilkin is going, one of the countries that he's going to try to put pressure on is South Africa. Mm-hmm. I think that's me. Is that me? I don't think that's me. Well, let's, uh, I'll let it ring if it is. Um, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Listen, what is it? That was me. Um, we see that, we see that one of the countries that, uh, Bilkin is going to is South Africa. They just, uh, put forth a statement, the government, uh, that, South Africa calls Israel uh, and declared it as an apartheid state. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's like a double barrel approach that they they don't like the fact that they uh, was down the line or took a down the line position with this war in Ukraine, and now they didn't call Israel an apartheid state. So this really puts them in the crosshairs mm-hmm. uh, with the new uh, general over the AFRICOM quadrant or whatever, however you want to term it, Langley and others. Uh, we really, I'm talking about black folks here, we really have to keep an eye on the situation. we got to start coalescing together with other groups and working closer together. Unity is key. And I'm not talking about necessarily the abandoning if you got a group out here that's fighting uh, for the sovereignty of our people, abandoning your group, joining another one, we can have operational unity. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We need to work together because they're working together. You see all these European countries trying to uh, twist other people's arms around this planet. They're working together to try to achieve their goal. But we can work together for a righteous cause to achieve our goal, and it can and will be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and our existence, speaking like this, is the proof of our successes, because I'm always big on this claim, every victory. You know, so I'm always looking for our victories and talking it up. We exist because of our victories of unity. We'd have been dead crossing the middle passage if we hadn't kept each other alive. We'd have been dead in these hell holes they took us to if we hadn't kept each other alive and resisted. And we certainly, we would have been dead in all the things we've been attacked, but we stick together and we help each other, you know, and we'd have still been under colonialism in Africa if they didn't stick together at all the sacrifices. Perfect? No. But moving forward, yes. Let's go to 347 in New York City. 347. Yeah, what's going on, Richard and Elliot? How you doing, sis? Listen, first of all, how, how is Sister Viola doing? She's doing good. She's doing better. Thank you. Hey, are, are y'all still meeting over at um, Sister's Place on the regular? Yes. In fact, yeah, in fact, the press conference was at Sister's Place on Friday. But oh, you've okay, got to okay. join us. If you're in New York, August 17th at Bed-Stuy Restoration on Fulton Street, 4 o'clock, right. August 17th. Look to see you at the rally. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been over over that that way in in a while, but I you know I remember events that were had at you know Sisters Place, and um, fortunately I've I've had the opportunity to um, you know meet most of the people. Matter of fact, you were talking about probably one of the greatest Pan Africans there ever was, Alambe Alambe Braff. It was funny. I was talking with his son Saint K a couple of couple of weeks ago um but yeah roger and all all of y'all have done some real excellent work you know it's funny that you um talk about um meeks years ago i used to live in this district so you know whenever it was time for him to get get reelected, you know he would come around you know i got an opportunity to speak to him he's basically a a puppet who's control by, you know, I guess the Zionists or whoever else is controlling them. But the funny thing is, after he did this whole thing with this African um, bill, I called his office, and, um, you know, you can't, you can't speak to him or anything. You know, they give you 
to one of his representatives. So I was asking the representative, why do he think that he could get away with doing something like this? And, and, and this is what's going to shock you. The guy said he could get away with it because the constituency ain't going to do a damn thing about it. Wow. This is, this, is, this is what his worker said. Now, I guess, you know, based on my question, the worker knew, in a sense, who he was talking to. So, right. you know what I mean? If you say certain things, they'll pick out if you, you know, you know anything. And, yeah, right. he just basically said it's because the constituency ain't going to do nothing about it. And I think you mentioned earlier in your um conversation how that whole community has changed. You know, I'll just point it out to you like this. My family on Laurelton, mm-hmm. Springfield Gardens, Mm-hmm. You know where the South can do it in the McDonald's is, right? Yes. Okay, my family lived down the block, the house on the left. We were the third black family there. And that mm-hmm. was 60, 60 years ago. Now, mm-hmm. the community is basically all, you know, Western Indian Caribbean and all of that. We, we're no longer there. But the point that I'm trying to say is, like you said earlier, a lot of the people there were civil servants and things of that nature, and how the community in essence has really changed, and you see how there's foreclosures and all of those things that you're because, saying. Because, cause brother, the, the, folk, the problem was the folks were living there, had those jobs, et cetera, but they suckered a lot of people with them. Um, ballooning mortgages and take a loan to refinance. So it wasn't that the people moved out; it's that the the crisis hit them. Right. I'm sorry if I if I didn't say it right. It's not that the people had moved out; is they lost their homes because of the shady dealings of yeah, all they went out, they went out. Yeah, yeah, they went yeah. out there and they took second mortgages and all that. Because you know what's so funny is, and this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Most of the people in that community 20 years ago, their mortgages were paid off. Yes. Because you got a whole, uh, there was a whole campaign. Absolutely true. There was a whole, and and I'm getting off point, but those are beautiful houses and and convenient to transportation. And there was this whole campaign. Somebody said it, treat your house like an ATM. Oh, you can take out a second mortgage equity. So that's a whole that's a whole different program around how around the country we lost so much wealth. We lost yeah, so much people wealth. People like me were pushing it though. See, this I is like a lot of people never never There's talk about it, right? never tell the truth is that he was on the he, finance committee. And, and yeah, all of them was in cahoots with yeah. this. So now this is why he's able to do the thing that he's doing because they give him now a little bit of a payoff because whenever he come up for re-election, they're donating money and doing those things. See, the sad thing in all of this is that people like yourself and organizations like December 12th and others, the Negroes in those communities don't listen. 
You know, well, I mean, no, I'm not they believe that. in that. I wouldn't be able to be talking if they didn't listen. No, 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 no. You got to see, see, if you say something about what Meeks and them doing, they're not going to pay you no more, but they'll pay the mind to that preacher. No, I totally disagree with you on that because it's those preachers like Flake and the rest of them who has absolutely destroyed those so-called communities. Now, if you want to be honest about it, and let's let's be honest, there's not the type of black ownership within those communities today that was 30, 40 years ago. There's, like, there's Latino and Caribbean and other nationalities, but there's not black ownership on the level that it was even 20 years ago because most of the blacks are not there no more. And I know this because I've, I've dealt in the situation there. I know I know. what I'm trying to say is this. Whenever you're trying to point out to people in those communities the wickedness and the evil that people like Meeks and them do, there's always some preacher or the community just shows the form of apathy in regards to how do we collectively move forward to try and sustain ourselves. And unfortunately, we don't want to deal with it, but other nationalities have now come and replaced ourselves. I always ask myself this one question. Where are black people at now? Where, where have we moved to? Where, 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 where can I say, like it was, 30 years ago, and Laurelton and Springfield Gardens and that area, there was a functioning black community. Where is it at now? There's not one. One thing that you brought up in the exchange y'all had that struck me as it relates to Meeks and as it relates to this, um, what he put through the, the finance, this um, foreign, foreign affairs committee. If, y'all correct me if I'm wrong. You said he was on the finance committee. And when he was on the finance committee, he was pushing for this, um, these, uh, this predatory loaning process that went on that had effect on black people. And he I'm wondering, like the brother said, in terms of who he gets money from, significant mm-hmm. support from the different banking and real estate interests. And, 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 it seems, and it seems now, um, when we look at this bill that he um, um, pushed through, or mm-hmm. you know, it, it looks at doing the same thing as it relates to the continent. And I'm just wondering, is there a correlation between his activity domestically in his own district? Um, and this was something that happened nationally as it, as it relates to, you know, mortgage. But well, it would, it, would seem, it, it would seem if you're dealing with bankers, and I don't, I can't say what level bankers he's he's dealing with, but I would assume that he's dealing with a high level of bankers because number one, what his position is in Congress, and number two, the dirty work that he's already done. So he's just, I mean, I'm sorry to say. He just gone from screwing black people here to now trying to screw screw black people in Africa. And, you know, unfortunately, um, the pushback 
isn't on the level that it that it should be, sadly to say. I mean, you know, I, I'll always I'll well, say this. When the Lambe and other organizations back in the eighties and the nineties were out there, you know, it was a little bit of a different climate. Today, I mean, you know, I ain't out there like I was back then. But I look at how the game is played and I know how things are done in a sense in the real estate field right now from being part of it. People get paid off. And our people are not in the position, unfortunately, to, you know, I'm sorry to say this, to put people like Meeks in check. And Jeffries and the and the rest of them to be held accountable. Oh yes, we I mean, are. It, oh yes, we are. You know, yeah, okay. we're in a position to do that. We're in a position to do that. Oh. But listen, I I because we kept Sister Penn a little overtime, and I did want to get to these last few calls. Right, right. But but Sister Penn, take care of yourself. And um, I'm glad to know Viola, you know, and the rest of the brothers and sisters are are doing well. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Let's go to uh, call it with your name. Hey, what's going on? It's brother Maurice. Hey, sir. Okay, so I, I have a few things to say. First of all, not everybody knows um, <clears throat> um, uh, these people by their first name. The brother just called from Brooklyn. We need to say Viola Plummer, Yolande Brass. We need to uh, talk about that generation. The Bubadika, you know, Sonny Carson, you know, we talked about Reverend Daughtry, all of those people that move forward. And we even talk about, you know, Brother uh, Wood Fox, who just passed recently and stuff, that generation of leaders and stuff. Oh, thank you, Yeah, so people need to understand that um, they are people that are coming up. We just don't know them. But that doesn't mean that we can't find out who's doing the work within our communities. I want to address something real quick that really um, made me angry. So, oh, y'all give me a second here. When we would, we, you know, um, they just passed the, the bill with uh, um, a revised, you know, Make America, you know, Better Again a bill where they got Kristen Cinema and they got finally a mansion on board. But what, what I didn't understand is why Booker and how come Warnock didn't use this as an opportunity to push for John Lewis and push for George Floyd bill and then use their leverage at that particular point to say, well, look, we're not going to support this unless there's movement on those particular bills that have sat there for a year or almost a year without any type of movement within the Senate. This is, again, people using their political Christian sentiment that they held out till they got something Manchin held out, but why not? And Booker, nothing. No, no using of their, their political advantage at this particular point, so that they can get things done for us. Now, you we, you talked about last week, and I, I'm sorry for taking up time, but I, I got I got a hit on this. You talked about last week about the, the housing crisis. Y'all mentioned it this week on the show. First of all, there was an article five years ago. I did a show on this five years ago, talking about how. Um, uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway was discriminating in the city of Philadelphia. 
there were articles out there. So I don't know why it took them five years to get to the answer to what you were talking about. Secondly, this is not the first time that they destroy black communities. This professor from Princeton University did a study again five years ago. I, I even had it, did a show on this. She talked about in 1972, just, you look it up, in, in Princeton University, um, a, a Professor Taylor, I'm probably not going to get her name right. Uh, uh, can, uh, can, um, I, can't, I can't get the pronunciation out. But Professor Taylor, and she talks about what happened in 2008, happened in 1972. Same thing. So they're not using any new type of strategy and stuff. So, you know, it really just makes me angry when we, when we we look at these situations and when we have people, you know, I know Gregory Meeks, known him for, you know, um, and I knew some of these politicians that were beforehand and stuff. I agree with the sister talking about that we need to educate these young people to understand that there has to be a dynamic outside of the Democratic Party because all politics is local. You can You can run locally and win. And if you win locally, then you can make a difference in your community and, and branch out, because that's what they're doing um, in other areas around the country. But people need to understand they have to wake up, because that generation that that was doing things, that was moving and getting things done, that generation is 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 is, is passing on now. All of these great people and stuff that we love dearly, they love the black community and sacrifice for. Them. You think about that with Wood Fox, forty three years in solitary confinement, 43, all because he decided he wanted to stand up for black people. And so, see, that's the people we need to be looking at. That's the people that love black people. Viola Plummer always out on the front line fighting for black people, especially when they were trying to, people forgot when they were trying to put a lot of these kids that was in foster care, they were Mm -hmm. using all of these drugs and testing drugs on them. They, Charles and Barron, all of them got out there and fought against it to stop them from testing on black kids and stuff, stop them from putting kids in schools on riddling, all of the stuff like that. These people never took a day off. They never rested. That black um, burial ground and stuff, they laid out in front of the bulldozers and stuff to stop it. Abubadika and them laid out there. and But, yep. the, but, but the, we have to be careful because these people are on a mission to demonize these people they, they, and they they're doing their best. You got black people on 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 radio and TV criticizing these leaders, but they ain't never spent a day in the street. They never spent any time out there doing anything. It's easy now. That's why I tell these young people you need to stop this foolishness because this little bit of you you stood out a couple of days in the street. Were you there? People were every day in the barrier ground. Every day. So, I, I'm, you know, sister, I, I want to encourage you to continue to work. You probably don't know me, but my, my name again is Maurice Carver. I do a show called Black Men Screaming. I know, I know Ralph, uh, Ralph Wareham. I know, I know a lot of those people. Listen, the only people you know, so I know. I must know you when I see yeah. you. Yeah. No, you, you, I, I'm one of these people that like to, that like to be in the cup, but I'm always out there supporting and stuff. I know the work that you've done, and you know, I want to continue to encourage you to do it. Um, you know, and like I said before. Um, there's a there's a generation that that is that is you know unfortunately they they're, they're going to sleep they 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 they, they not fought their battles and they, they, you know they they're going on to their, their to become ancestors and then we cannot sit here and allow this and I, and I think it's a shame that um 
Warnock, I'm going to say this and get off y'all. Warnock and, and Booker didn't do anything about what I just talked about. They could have turned the screws and said, we're not moving on anything until George Floyd and John Lewis has moved on. Look, y'all stay strong, stay safe, and stay blessed, man. I'm off. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, bro. Let's go to 647. Toronto, Toronto. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about, you know, Dr. John Henry Clark always talked about how, you know, uh, groups of people, you know, all, all people have produced revolutionary working class heroes, uh, traitors, buffoons, and idiots. And, you know, the new guy who was the head of the of AFRICOM it was born in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, Shreveport, Louisiana also produced Al Prentice Bunchy Carter, who was mm-hmm. the Minister of Defense for the Black Panther Party in Southern California. It also produced uh, Raymond Masai Hewitt, who was the Minister of Education for the entire Black Panther Party. It also produced um, uh, Johnny Cochran, and uh, it also like and it also produced like I said this uh, the head of of Africom and uh, he's on was the wrong was, side of history. Was that Geronimo Pratt's home? I know he was from Louisiana, but was it Shreveport? Uh, no, Geronimo was from the level of, uh, down a little bit southern, so, uh, the south. Same, I think similar. similar where Queen Mother Moore is from in, in that area. Like Louisiana, Rap Brown is from the middle of, you got northern Louisiana. Rap Brown, it was born in the middle of Louisiana. And the Queen Mother Moore, people like that, they were born in the middle of them. There's New Orleans, which is a whole nother issue, you know. So that's basically, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, on, on this Langley character. I do not have, I think characters, I don't have any independent information. You know, I think you probably characterized him correctly. Well, no, he's bad news. Very, 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 he's a uh, four-star, I think he was a four-star general uh, of of African oppressed people. And he is the, uh, you know, he's going to be running the, running the show, AFRICOM, right, which is... uh, as you know, and the listeners of this show uh, are are astute listener, astute. This is an astute audience. I know that we all know what Africom is. It's on the wrong side of history. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. And Thank you for your contribution. You uh, you, just on that. You know what? One of our listeners put in the chat room, uh, "New New Iberia." So maybe that was where was that what you were talking about? That is correct. That is a, that is a spot. That is correct. Okay. Liberia. That's it. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Thank you. All right, Sister Pam. I know we kind of kept you over time, <laughs> but uh, it was a good conversation. Well, the conversation was so good, brother. I couldn't leave. <laughs> you know. And I wanted. So thank you so much for having me on. And I and I'll reach out to you in the future because I got your number now, so we we can kind of keep the lines of communication open. I think that's the key uh, yeah. to us moving forward because a lot more of our people need to know what has happened, connect the dots, 
and to be able to have more information. You know, when the brother, uh, I call out of New York mentioned about some of our people, uh, seem to be apathetic about what's going on. I don't think, sure, you got a percentage of our people that just want to stand on the sideline, but the majority of our mm-hmm. people don't have the proper information. They're not getting it from these popular shows, whether you're talking about Al Sharpton or, or some of these popular shows. They're not discussing these issues. And if they discuss no. them, they'll just talk around them. They won't deal directly with the point of these issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and you will also be getting information um, from a couple of our folks who directly keep calling the media. So look out for an email from a couple of my friends. Um, in the organization, we'll be following up to make sure you're added to all of the um, outreach stuff we do specifically to the media. But I'm glad we're in touch. I want to thank Brother Zaki who put us in touch. And I think this is, again, our strength, that they attack us and we come together and we get stronger. Thanks for that, sister. And I know Brother Richard will be happy to hear that we'll be getting uh, some information out of New York about what's going on. Brother Richard? Yeah, my apologies. This, I wouldn't have known you know, things that are not known. Yep. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. What'd you say, Richard? I said, it's all good. But yeah, I had that. I'm so glad to hear that we're, um, because it's so necessary, especially to get a global perspective from a local organizing position. Um, yeah. As it relates to um, black people, as it relates to African people. Um, so I, I also um, thank you, um, sister. And that is, that is August 17th, the resistance and reparation um, yep. activity that will be held. Okay. August 17th, 4 to 7 p.m., Bedside Restoration, which is on Fulton Street in Brooklyn, New York. And for further information, 718-398-1766, 718-398-1766, honoring the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, the 20th anniversary of the National Reparations March, Thursday, August 17th. Hope to see as many as can come. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Sister Penn, thank you for your contribution. I'll be in touch. Be in touch. Take care. Peace. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to wind things down. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com.
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. 
The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on this blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we who, knowing that the people will always be free, we understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been, have been dedicating all our energies to only one task, the organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor. We're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down. We're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people. Thank you. Thank you. the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. The, when you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to, to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and gotten it out of the way, and now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first, and they put you last. Because you're a chump. A political chump. The party that you backed controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives in the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you, because you're a chump. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government, and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time, and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, I want to thank our guest that was with us this evening, spent some time discussing some of these issues, activist, organizer, and founding member of the December 12th movement, Sister Claire Penn, who was with us in discussion. Richard, yes. um, a lot of valuable information was discussed this evening. Um, I'm happy to see that the, the press conference was a was, uh, was instituted on Friday to give a position of several of the groups and sister Penn talk about several of the groups that's involved in the December 12th movement. It's just not one individual, one particular group. Um, and not only them, uh, uh, I've gotten emails from, uh, in Cobra and others that are in solidarity with what has went on. So right. you see a lot of our people that 
realize what is going on, uh, understand this attack on uh, Chairman O'Malley yesterday is an attack on all of us. And uh, and we realize that we got to work closer together. That's our, that's our protection. We got to work closer together, get more information out, uh, make our people more aware so we can do what we need to do. Because believe me, Richard, just like we discussed this evening, those officials are aware. When they talk, when the, our guest this evening was talking about Meeks and uh, you got others, Jeffries and all from New York City, Richard, you don't think that they, and I know this is just a rhetorical question, but you don't think that they're aware of December 12th and some of the groups that are active up there in New York? Yeah. They, they're aware. They know what our people are saying. But they just want to rely on our people being apathetic and just uh, figuring that you can't do nothing about it. That's how they stand. That's how they stay in so-called positions of power. That's how they get in these seats and stay there for 20, 30 years. Just like you said, they're political entrepreneurs. It's a job. And they don't get the foot. I mean, the grassroots and the majority of our people get a foot up there behind all the time. They don't get necessarily get the foot up there behind, even though they're told what to do. They're happy with that because they they manage to stay in the house and they get the, the rewards of being in the house. They don't suffer the slings and arrows that the people out here do, losing their homes. and get, You know, speaking of that, you see up there, Richard, in, uh, around 40th and Market, that the development, they're putting them people out of there. Yeah. They've set up a tent city. They said they're not moving. I think the judge gave them an order that they got to be out of there by tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And you got black elected officials. I haven't heard a word out of them. Mm-hmm. They, you, as far as the people are concerned, they on their own. You know, and I, I have to, um, because you, you made it, you know, clear, and 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 it's just sticking in my head um, around Gregory Meeks, but also the the clip that um, um, brother um, Kwame Ture um, made, and this is the point that I'm getting wanted to try to get, but I couldn't get it out clear enough. Um, there's a petty bourgeoisie, as he says, right, that or here and on the continent. Mm-hmm. And I will put these politicians, but something when they said that Meeks was on the finance committee when this here, you know, when they were pushing, and I remember all the discussion after 08 about how um, Clinton particularly was pushing for people to buy homes without um, having no having no credit or no you know regardless of credit you know and then the bubble bust and it, and people were you know this predatory lending piece so all the people who uh, as the caller said who had their houses already paid off they were um, you know that was ripped from under them and. What you know, and to hear that this congressperson was on the committee that was a part of that, what makes makes it complicit in relationship to not looking out, not just looking, not looking out for his constituency, but a part of of, of putting together the okay that it is okay to do this and not provide any barriers of protection for black folks, especially 
elderly black folks because that's that's what that's a lot a lot of times that's who would be caught up in this and here now he's when you read through that that bill um as it's pushing about you know the concern about russia is also pushing you know what the u.s policy and giving financing to these countries and when i look at those countries who of those African countries that voted, um, that abstained, those are the countries they are afraid of, right? Yes. Those countries, and uh, and when I look at the the countries, a lot of them are Francophone Portuguese countries, um, particularly. And then the ones who were voted in favor were English-speaking countries with some um, Portuguese... So what I'm saying is that, and when I hear us here, there's as much as there's those who are supporting reparations, there's those at another level that are saying, well, we shouldn't be um, concerned about the continent or African people. We should just be concerned about us. So what I'm trying to get to, Elliot, is that I see this bourgeois thing that's on this group that is aligned with America, that's in aligned with having this, um, you know, what's that, the, the AFRICOM, and, and, and know they need to have, a, they can't have a black general running it. Here, those who are in line with devastating the black community, at the same time saying, well, there's some black people that we need not to consider black. I'm just having, I'm just trying to, I'm just, you know, trying to rationalize because Brother Yasatelli and others, as you said earlier, even us will be considered that um, black identity extremists. And as you said, y'all said, and we won't be saying we can make a clear analysis of what is, as the brother said, what is the right side of history? Like we can't do that with all the history that we have. <laughs> yeah, we need somebody to come up. Boy, I'm telling you, and and a person of another race at that. <laughs> wow, Richard, I, I don't know, man. I... It's, it's 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 and we got to get clarity. I mean, we have to get clarity because it ain't that when they start tightening them screws and start sending it sending in these guys, you know, it ain't gonna be no shooting up. I mean, in the spirit of Black August. Um, people be, be switched away just like they did Guan, in Guantanamo Bay. They switched people away. They didn't even know they was gone. <laughs> they had them locked up and nobody knew where, where they was. Wow. So we ain't playing no low state game here. That's all. I, I, that's, that's my concern. Yeah. I'm, I was just looking at that uh, thing about the, that general, uh, uh, let me read that couple articles uh, from this. Uh, U.S. Marine Corps has the first four-star general, Lieutenant Michael Langley, was promoted in historic ceremony Saturday. And Monday, he takes charge of the U.S. African Command and is headquartered in Germany. He remarks on his promotion and his four-star general, Langley, referred to his new command, saying he's humbled and honored for the opportunity to stake to take stewardship of the command of AFRICOM. U.S. President Joe Biden nominated 
uh, Langley uh, in June, and it was confirmed by the U.S. Senate. So they didn't have no problem. <laughs> These uh, racist Republicans uh, that ran up into the Capitol, they didn't have no problem, you know, giving support for this general, Richard. What does that tell you about him? What does, should that tell black people about him? Yeah, I mean, you didn't even really know that he was, that it ain't any debate. They didn't even have no debate on him taking this. You know, usually it's some debate going back and forth. All we know is that, I mean, he's just, he was just appointed. But he had to be approved by the Senate. Both Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> oh, Richard, you remember when we discussed that uh, uh, mortgage thing last week when uh, it was uncovered that the, uh, Hathaway, Berkshire Hathaway and all, they was redlining and doing all this other stuff. And banks have been doing this, been a common practice ever since that law was passed in 68. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this week they showed that uh, blacks people's credit scores was messed up, was was tampered with. But the, the agencies, and I got to get that straight, it did, uh, our listening audience can, can look it up. The agencies claimed that it was uh, some type of algorithm that caused the error. You know, I, I thought that the computer, you have to enter data. I mean, they act like a computer thinks on its own. You have to enter data in a computer for them to come up with this. You know, listen, it's bad enough you can't get a mortgage or they take you through hoops to get a mortgage or the mortgage that you get, white folks that makes your salary or even less than you, get a cheaper interest rate, but then they mess around with your credit score. I mean, we get it going and coming. It's surprising that all black people ain't lost their minds. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. And not even shame. It's, it's what we're working against. Uh, next Thursday, not this Thursday coming up, but the next Thursday. And let me give that date. Cause I want to get that straight with uh, um, the 18th, the 18th of August. Um, I was talking to brother Patrick Alexander of the black liberation movement, Mississippi on the move down here in Mississippi about uh, some of the things that they're doing in reference to uh, obtaining those signatures and all for, to uh, enforce that warrant. They're going to be debuting their program uh, on Thursday, Richard at eight, okay. which would be good. More information will be, uh, available to the time for awakening audience to hear exactly what's going on with our brothers and sisters in the Southern quadrant. Um, they had a, a meeting, uh, Saturday mm-hmm. with some activist groups across the South and strategies on what they need to do to try to, uh, uh, to get this warrant enforced, uh, ways that they can do it, legal ways that they can get this done. So, um, I'm looking forward uh, and hopefully time for waking audience is looking forward to their program debuting not this Thursday but next Thursday so put it on your calendar in fact we'll be talking about it uh, next week on the program great now, well that's it um, again I want to thank everybody for listening uh, uh, participating in the program this evening lively discussion as always and we'll be back on Friday Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening Peace. Peace. If you 
Children. 